And we made it. Thanks for tuning into the Holy City Hoops podcast here on the first day of college basketball 2022-23. We have a great episode for you today. Good friend of the program, former Charleston basketball player Harrison Bound is on here today to talk two things. Number one, we got to put a bow on the 2022 offseason. So if you've been paying attention, the college basketball offseason has turned into the NBA offseason with all the player movement, the transfer portal, NIL, recruiting, and oh, guess what? There's four new teams in the CAA. Conference realignment is also still a thing. So we cover everything you may have missed over the summer. If you're someone who kind of tunes out Charleston basketball when school's not in session, you're going to want to listen in. Make sure you're up to speed going into tonight's contest. And if you're someone who obsessively read the tea leaves on a certain top 100 recruit and you know who I'm talking about, you're still going to want to listen in because we talk about the three guys who have verbally committed to Charleston so far and why it is such massive news for the program. Secondly, we got to talk about a game tonight. Chattanooga comes to town. Really good measuring stick game for the Cougars tonight. Going to be a tough game, especially with fall break going on and students not on campus. Chattanooga went to the NCAA tournament last year, still has a really good squad this year, and they're going to be looking for some payback after Charleston took them down at their place last season. Finally, there is another game on Friday night, and it's an opponent you've probably heard of. That would be the University of North Carolina, who is currently the number one team in the country. Lots to get to. Thank you for listening to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Please subscribe if you have not already. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Let's party. All right, Harrison Bound is back on the Holy City Hoops podcast, and the plan for today is to start with an off-season recap. There was so much that happened this summer and this fall that we have to get to, and then we're going to look ahead to the first two games on the schedule, home opener against Chattanooga Monday night, and then the big one at North Carolina Friday night. But we'll start with you, HB. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me back on. I'm excited for uh, another season of Cougars basketball. Are you more or less excited than you were this time last year? Uh, I think more excited. I think um, I think Coach Kelsey had some really good points on your interview with him, talking about how like guys kind of know the culture and know what to expect. And having gone through that with two new coaches at my time at CFC, I can definitely remember how much the second year things just kind of flowed better. You know the drills better. You know what's expected of you. And I think we have a really talented team. You've got you know, four guys that played a lot of minutes that are coming back and are very experienced. And then you add some really talented newcomers. So I would say I'm, uh, I'm more excited. And I think this team has a, a chance to be pretty good. I'm with you on that. I think last year we were like, this could go really well, or it could be a disaster because there's so many new players. There's only two guys coming back this year. Yeah. I think expectations are higher and fans should rightfully be more excited. I think the ceiling is a little bit higher. All right, so so much happened since uh, the Cougars were eliminated by UNCW in the CAA tournament. We're going to start with the roster itself. So players who have since left. John Meeks, second team All-CAA, Cougars leading scorer last year. He gets his grad degree and he's gone. Demetrius Underwood, third team All-CAA, all-defensive guy. He's gone. Osanachi Smart, he has moved on from CFC. I think he arrived in 1996, and he has since (laughs) graduated, and he is off to greener pastures playing professionally. And then Brendan Tucker, grad transfer, doesn't grad transfer, transfers to Georgia State. Uh, He's an Atlanta guy. He heads back to Georgia State. He had maybe, he and OC probably had their best seasons in a Charleston uniform under uh, Coach Kelsey, but both are now gone. And then we lose Nick Farrar who is now at his third stop in three years. He transfers within the conference to UNCW. I want to spend a little bit more time on that one. And then Jordan Seachan, who went from a walk-on, earned a scholarship spot uh, second half of last year. He is gone. And then Nikita Evdokimov, we barely knew you. He was here for one semester, and now he has since transferred. So out of that group, who are you going to miss the most? I, I think probably a tie between, I would say, Meeks and Underwood. Obviously seeing what... Underwood brought to our team at the end of the year, especially, and I know coach Kelsey hit on this in the first interview, like being able to go and play point guard the way he did and kind of form himself into an all conference player. I just thought that 
what he brought to our team last year was just a huge piece. He's one of those guys I wish was back for another year. And then obviously Meeks um, had, a, had a great season. And I think some people expected him to be kind of like that go-to score. And I think at times he was, but there's definitely some times he maybe struggled with having that pressure of like, we need you to go get 15 to 18 a game. Uh, but he's a very talented player. You could see the offense went through him a lot, very skilled player. So I think those two would probably be the biggest ones where I'm like, man, if you put them – with these guys that have now played a ton of minutes as a freshman, you add a couple transfers. I think those are probably the two guys that, that jump off the roster to me where I'm like, okay, I kind of wish we had maybe one more year with those. Yeah. Two all CAA talents, three of the four leading scorers from last year's team are gone. I think that kind of gets lost in that core sophomore class that all came back, but yeah, definitely some talent leaving the building and those younger guys who, we're thrown into the fire, definitely have to step up. I'm On, on that note, I'm going to say Nick Farrar. I mentioned this on the No Bid Nation podcast when we did our CAA preview. He's one of the guys I wish we could have retained because he's a bucket when he's locked in and when he's in shape. And so I'm going to I'm gonna miss that. I think I think UNCW got something yeah, I mean, with him. I, You're okay with him leaving. I can, I can tell. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some times where he, I agree with you, he's locked in, you know, he was a bucket a very skilled player when he got hot he could get really hot right same with brendan tucker in a way like if they got hot they're two guys that could go get you a bucket seemingly anywhere on the court but i get it from his side you know knowing that um their coach crewed him when he was at nc state so i, I get yep. that you know reuniting from that aspect i also just kind of think how he was so up and down all year and it kind of felt like there were these like lapses of focus and like you said when he was in shape, he was great. And, you know, he seemed to get in like really great shape beginning of the season. It kind of felt like it maybe dropped off a little bit. And obviously we don't know what happened behind closed doors. We don't know everything that went on, but guys like that, you know, especially when you go to an in-conference team, I kind of feel like you're just better off letting them go and, uh, you know, wish them the best of luck. hope they have success. But I look at the makeup of this team and what he brought and what he could give. And I, I, don't know that we haven't replaced that plus some. Um, and if you got a guy, and if you got a guy that's kind of like, you know, has that like lack of, I don't know if it's focus or, you know, desire or drive, I'd rather have a guy that's maybe a little less skilled that's going to, you know, bust his tail and be in shape all the time. That's a good point. I mean, either way, it's going to add some intrigue to that rivalry. I mean, I hate UNCW, so I, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you know, pour a little gasoline on the fire, you know? I think it's, uh, it's a, healthy, uh, a healthy conference rivalry. All right, so let's talk about the guys who come in, because that's the more exciting part. All right, so we'll start with Pat Robinson, who signed seemingly as soon as the buzzer <laughs> went off in that UNCW game. Uh, teammates with Dalton Bolin at West Liberty. Robinson's a guy who scored 2,000-plus points, uh, scored 20 a game for West Liberty last year, all conference, all D2 type guy. He comes in. Obviously, there's some pre-existing relationship there. Ryan Larson is one that stands out to me because as Coach Kelsey talked about a few weeks ago, point guard was really a weakness for this team last year. Assisted turnovers were a really big issue. Ryan Larson seems to be the guy to solve both of those. So grad transfer played at Wofford, which has been a really solid mid-major the last couple of years. Really positive assist to turnover ratio, I think like two to one. Uh, shot it well from three. Played in a, a bunch of close, important games and performed pretty well. So excited for him. Jalen Scott from the NAIA, two-time NAIA All-American, uh, finalist for NAIA Player of the Year. We heard Coach Kelsey and Rain Smith both talk about how he projects to be one of the best defenders in the CAA, which is really exciting. Ante Brzovic, he is a sophomore from the D2 level, really talented uh, scorer and rebounder, almost average double-double at Southeastern Oklahoma State, and was freshman of the year in his conference. And then two freshmen, Jordan Crawford from North Mech, who's a score, a scoring guard, and then Evan Kilminster from Australia, uh, who's a point guard who played with Rain Smith. Uh, and then Khalil London, who I sounds like it's going to redshirt, but he's a, a talented guard as well. A lot of guys coming in. Uh, what are your thoughts on the transfers into CFC? Obviously, looking at the team we've got coming in, like there's some very talented players. Like you said, I think Larson probably stands out the most to me because we obviously missed probably just having that true point guard the most last year. Um, so I think a guy like him can have just a huge 
impact on our team. And that's something that, that we kind of need is that like floor general. And he comes from a program um, like Walford, like you mentioned, that's just, you know, an incredible program. They've been really successful. They seem to recruit and develop really talented guys. So I feel like he's a really skilled guy that can come in and I would assume potentially start right away. I mean, I don't know exactly what coach Kelsey's thinking, but obviously I, I feel like he's a guy who can start right away and give us a real boost. Uh, obviously like you mentioned London red shirting. Uh, so I don't, don't really think we'll, we'll see him this year, but then having Pat Robinson, I I saw a picture of him on uh I guess it was the CFC basketball Instagram and I sent it to one of my buddies. He looks like he could play football, like running back at Georgia, you know, and I heard coach Kelsey, the Mike, the Mike Tyson. Body. Yeah. And so I heard, you know, coach Kelsey talk about that. And then also him talking about his being able to like kind of put blinders on and just get to the rim and drive. So it's like, you look at a guy like that score 2000 points at the D2 level. I, I love bringing in guys like that from the transfer portal that have kind of proven themselves at the D2 level. I thought bowling pre-injury last year was going to be a huge part of our team off the bench. And I think we would have had a probably a little bit better of a year if he doesn't break his foot. So I love getting yeah. a guy like him who can seemingly put it on the floor um, and get, get, get to the rim. And obviously he's got a, a big body. So I think that bodes well for, you know, games like UNC, but then also our conference is relatively, you know, kind of big stocky guards. So um, I think that's a key. And then like you mentioned, Jalen Scott has a tremendous resume. And so, I, I felt like last year our weak spot was maybe not enough experienced guard play. And I feel like we've kind of gone out and if these guys work out, which I'm optimistic they will, feels like we've kind of fit that need. But I, I would say Larson and Robinson are probably the two top ones that I'm like really, really excited about. Um, and then obviously we'll see is it Brzovich? Is that, am I pronouncing it right? I'm not really sure. He's sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> He's obviously got a, a tremendous upside, I think. Obviously, Jeff Goodman, you know, is talking about his ability to step out and shoot and being an elite player. And so I'm I'm excited. I mean, I think every mid-major's dream is like a, a 6'10 guy that can step out and hit threes. Yeah. You know, we've Davidson's been Davidson's been scorching us with guys like that for like 15 years now. So if that's you know, if he holds true to what I think he can be, I look at those kind of three guys and I'm like, man, this team has some some serious upside to pair with the Ben Burnhams and the Rain Smiths of, of the team and Raekwon Hort. So, I mean, how many frustrating end of game finishes do we have last year where it was like, man, if we just had a, a ball handler who could hold yeah. onto the ball, make his free throws, probably have a yeah. win, what, three or four more games. And it would, it would oh, be like, for, for sure. It would be Underwood or it'd be Tucker and like, you know, love those guys. They brought a lot to the program, but end of game scenarios, they were not, the true point guard you want and so yeah. now i feel like you can roll out a lineup of larson bowl and smith and then throw in you know burnham at the four and brzovich at the five and those are all guys who can make their free throws uh have played in big games can hold on to the ball and hopefully turn that tide of those cardiac cougar games we saw so much last year well and you look at you know scott and robinson and they're two big guards who have experience in ai and d2 i mean when you're a big guard it's you know, harder to get around you and steal the ball. And if you've got decent handle, like it, I just feel like we have more depth to, of ball handlers this year than like what you mentioned last year, where it was kind of like, oh God, are we going to throw this away in the last couple of minutes? Yeah. And I thought that Rain Smith, you know, made an interesting point on uh, on the podcast last week of talking about how, you know, he's known as this catch and shoot shooter. That's what he's best at. And he's great at it, but he talked about, you know, getting better at ball handling in every other part of his game. And there's nothing wrong with just being a catch and shoot guy and not being like the best ball hander in the world. But it feels like if we have a guy like a Larson or Pat Robinson that can drive the ball consistently ball handle, it, it takes a little pressure off of him to be able to do what he's best at. And there's, you know, a little bit of a time last year where it felt like he kind of was having to do a lot more than maybe what he's used to. And maybe that's why he kind of hit the wall just a little bit at times. So I feel like the guys we've brought in really enhances the guys that we've already got on the team, especially this freshman that, that kind of got thrown to the fire last year. And Rain, Rain was a, what, 93% shooter from the free throw line. He was one of the tops in the country. And I was like, just get the ball to Rain. Just get the ball to Rain. And yeah. I, I feel like teams started to just not let that happen. And then it's like, oh, now we're sending Underwood or Tucker to the line. We saw it in the 
CAA semifinals where I think we go over four down the stretch from the line and that's the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that the the guard play, you know, turns around. Yeah. And and now when you get a guy like Larson, you know, can handle the ball as a true point guard. It's like, you can get the ball into him. He can work to bring it up. It takes a little bit of pressure off of rain, having to get open all the time to get that, you know, get the ball to hit those free throws. So I think the, the pieces that we've added, um, were huge and i i mean as as long as they seemingly mesh and everything i think this team has a chance to be special yeah and to to talk about the big guys a little bit more jalen scott i mentioned was runner up to naia player of the year the guy who won player of the year transferred to marquette and is expected to be a starter there like they expect big things from him so if you think those two players are comparable that's a really nice piece to get if you're charleston and he kind of fills that underwood role of being the guy who can guard your one through four, your Aaron Estradas or, you know, your Cam Holdens, whoever you think the player of the year in the conference is. And then Brzovic, I mean, 19 and 11 per game at the D, I know it's at the D2 level, that should play in mid-major D1. Like, that, I don't think he's going to put up those same numbers, but he is really, really skilled. And like his highlight reel, I mean, he's got great footwork. He like pivot, pivot, fade away. He's really, really skilled. I think for him, it's just, holding up defensively to some of the bigger guys in, in this conference. Well, and I think we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, like I know there was a kid from like some school in the Midwest that transferred maybe Creighton and was start for them last year from the D2 level. You're seeing a lot of these like D3, D2 players start to transfer into the division ones. And I think, you know, for coach Kelsey, I, I for me personally, like, I love going after the D2 or D3 guy that's proven yeah. and has played a bunch of years. Like I'd rather take them than the guy who, you know, goes to a high major, doesn't really pan out, decides to transfer. Like you never know what you're getting with that. In my opinion, like sometimes you get an absolute stud, but sometimes you get a guy who thinks he's, you know, Oh, I've, you know, signed an ACC school, whatever I should be starting. And then it's just kind of like a dud. I love going out and getting some of those D2, D3 guys that are, Man, I mean, it's it's a my brother played you. It's a tough life in some of those conferences, man. You're driving four hours, you're off the bus, playing, you're back on the bus going home. So, I think some of those guys, man, like there's there's some skilled players everywhere. We just saw it this week with uh, my hometown team, Lenore Ryan, beating Louisville. Like, yeah, there's players at yeah. all levels, and you know, I think that these guys should be able to come in no problem and and be able to have an impact. Now, like you said, whether it's a 19 points a game in the CAA, like I don't know anybody's expecting that, but if he comes in and he's averaging 12 and six, I think we'd all be like, this is great. Like this is, and he can step out and shoot a little bit. I mean, that's a huge piece of kind of the players we already have and like a Burnham and Lanta. Yeah. Definitely didn't have such an offensively skilled big man last year with OC and Chuck. So I think he, he adds a, a new dimension there. Let's talk about the change on the bench. I brought this up with coach Kelsey and he could not divulge all the details I wanted on coach Carr because, uh, these, there's some recruits who haven't signed yet, but, Dave Davis, who was an associate coach for Coach Kelsey at Winthrop and at CFC, he goes up to Virginia Military Academy to reunite with Andrew Wilson, ironically, who was a former CFC coach, who's now the head coach there. And then Coach Kelsey brings in this guy, Thomas Carr, who played under Dave Davis uh, at Pfeiffer College, most recently has had two gigs, the athletic director at Word of God Christian Academy in Raleigh, which is where... John Wall went to school, uh, TJ Warren, some other NBA caliber guys. And Coach Carr was the director of Team Loaded North Carolina, which is a really, really great AAU program that CFC's recruited guys from in the past. Both those details are important because we'll come back to those on the recruiting front. But before we get into 2023 recruiting, do you have any other thoughts on Coach Carr? I mean, he's obviously known as an elite recruiter, an elite relationship guy and in today's college basketball world i think you have to have a guy like that especially with deep aau ties i mean aau has become and kind of made that shift when i was in high school of the lifeblood of recruiting i mean if you're not playing on a high level aau program you're not getting recruited and so i think we had to go out and get a guy like that and obviously we've seen from what he's signed so far and the way coach Kelsey talked about him, he's had a, a major impact on this program. So I think his, his reputation coming in was obviously like this AAU guy that's got deep ties in, in North Carolina. And I think we're already kind of starting to see the fruits of that labor. As soon as that hiring is announced, you think best case scenario, Oh, maybe he can bring some of those guys from team loaded 
to CFC. Maybe he can bring some of those Word of Christian Academy guys to CFC. So I think the first domino to fall is Meyer Wall, who is a uh, 6'8 forward from North Carolina, four-star prospect, I think was ranked about 85th, 90th uh, on 24-7 sports. Had offers from Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Rutgers, Tennessee, Power 5 programs. I think he went to an elite camp at CFC maybe, but like three days after Thomas Carr, the school announces Thomas Carr as an assistant coach, Meyer Wall commits. Huge news reverberates around the CFC fan community. It's a really talented player coming to CFC. I'm just going to go through all, all the recruiting news and then we'll 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 rehash it. Yeah. Uh, next domino to fall is his AAU teammate, James Scott, who is a 6'11 center, also from North Carolina. Jeff Goodman announces James Scott, uh, one of the leading rebounders on the Adidas circuit, one of the top shot blockers. He's going to CFC. And James Scott is not quite a top 100 prospect, but had offers from Loyola Chicago, which is a team that's gone to the Final Four recently, New Mexico State, yeah. uh, Georgia State, Ohio. Other really solid mid-major to high-major teams. So then you're thinking, okay, maybe this is like, maybe there's some some legs to this. Team Loaded <laughs> also has this kid named Freddie Dillion, who is like a top 25 player, like NBA caliber player. And it's like, whoa, if we can get that guy, then we're really cooking with some grease. Freddie Dillion announces his final 10 schools, of which CFC is like the only mid-major of the group. It's like, whoa, okay, this is really exciting. Unfortunately, he decides to go to Tennessee, uh, Rick Barnes, but at least we're in the in the running there. And then sometime after, it's like, okay, well, there's the second leading scorer on Team Loaded, this kid, Isaiah Coleman, who hasn't committed anywhere yet. And this guy's like a top 50, top 75-ish player, depending on where you look. Uh, ESPN had him at like 67. I think his consensus was like 57-ish. Yeah. He, out of the blue, announces his two final schools, CFC and Mississippi State. He turns away offers from UConn, Tennessee, Auburn, VCU, Maryland, Miami, Texas A&M, and Virginia Tech. And then, th- then things start to get really interesting because uh, Jamie Shaw, who if anybody follows Jamie Shaw, he used to have a site called... Uh, Phenom Hoop Report. He was really plugged into Carolina Hoops. He's the one who broke the news that Gigi Jackson was transferring from UNC to South Carolina. Jamie Shaw makes his official prediction and he says CFC. It's like, okay, Jamie Shaw's pretty plugged in here. Then Isaiah Coleman says, I'm committing on Instagram Live on this date from these final two. And sure enough, Isaiah Coleman commits to the College of Charleston. Huge news. It's all over Twitter huge engagement on Instagram. Coach Kelsey was on the Instagram live. I don't think the Mississippi State coach was on there. So somebody knew what was about to go down. And now look at us. CFC has like a top 20 recruiting class in 2023. I turn it over to you. Well, I think think what you're seeing is what we've, as fans, always said about the College of Charleston. It's like, why would you not want to come here? I mean, it's an amazing city. It's a great school. You've got a great arena. You've got crazy fans. It's like, it's the perfect place to build, you know, this unbelievable mid-major program. And it feels like the moves that coach Kelsey has made has just like one step at a time built towards that. And then I think also it just shows like in recruiting nowadays, it's so different from what it used to be. And I think that guys aren't obviously if you're a blue blood, you're a blue blood, right? Like if you're Final five is Kentucky, UNC Duke. You're going to one of those. But if we can start to get in with those guys that are like, like you mentioned, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Mississippi States, why not go to College of Charleston, have a chance to dominate, potentially be a four-year starter, go to three or four tournaments in a row. Yeah. Especially if you've got a deep relationship with, you know, an AAU coach guy that you trust that's been good to you that's potentially trained you for who knows how many years because you know how connected those AU programs are so I mean and I don't know how far back he goes with some of those guys he could have been coaching them since they were 12 13 14 years old and it's kind of like I mean why would you not want to team up and and go to this place and have a chance to to win championships and and when you really look at the history of CFC I think that's one of the reasons we also always talk about why are we not one of the top schools? Like you look at how successful we've been, especially in the crash years. It's like, I mean, every piece that we have here, every building block that we have at College of Charleston 
is a, an opportunity to be that next Gonzaga or VCU. Yeah. And it feels like we're finally kind of taking those steps to get there. And, it, and I mean, the, I think the most important step is recruiting and to see him be able to bring those guys in like that quick, like you said, I mean, it was what, like three, four days after he gets hired that we'll yeah. commit. So, I mean, it's like, it's pretty impressive, like how quickly it was. And, and it's a credit to him being that tapped in with his guys that guys want to come and, and play with him and trust him. Um, I tell kids all the time, like when you're looking at a school, you know, coaches can come and go and, and teammates can come and go and all that. Like you got to obviously pick a school that you like, that you can be happy at, but like you're with these guys 90% of your time at, at college. So you need a coach you trust that you know is going to have your best intentions that you, you know, it's going to make you better, going to develop you. And you look at his system too. And, and coach Kelsey, and it's like, he's going to try to play 10, 11 guys if he can. So if I'm a freshman, I'm going, okay, well, I can go to Starkville, Mississippi and potentially ride the bench for a year, get a couple minutes, or I can go to CFC, maybe start right away. If not, maybe I get 15 to 18 minutes straight away. And if you buy into what Coach Kelsey's, you know, kind of preaching, it's like, well, who's to say we don't go on a round of two or three or four NCAA tournaments? I mean, he did it at Winthrop. So, yeah, you know, I think – I, I, to me, all the recruiting is just like that kind of final piece of, if, especially if this class works out, it's one of those those classes that could put you on the map. The same way that, you know, Jarrell and Grant's class kind of really elevated that program to that next level. feels like you can take even another step if these guys pan out and the team comes together. Yeah, so this is, I mean, if, it, if we had just gotten Meyer Wall or if we had just gotten James Scott, I think that's already up there in terms of the highest recruits CFC's ever had. And now you throw in Isaiah Coleman as the cherry on top. Also, there's at least one more scholarship available because there's four seniors on this year's team. Yeah. But I'm with you, man. This is how you build the program. You bring these guys in. We Obviously, we need them to officially sign on the dotted line, and that sh- should be coming up soon. <laughs> yeah. Protect, protect <laughs> Thomas Carr at all costs. Don't let him go anywhere. Yeah. But if this comes to fruition, as we expect it to, you add those guys to – two all-rookie dudes in Burnham and Rain, plus Raquan Horton, who's turned into a beast. And now you have them as upperclassmen at this point when this really talented freshman group comes in. And then you open up at least a two-year window to really, really be competitive. And I'm just excited to see like high major talents coming through Charleston. Yeah. Like Meyer Wall, in some of his highlights, he looks like Kevin Durant. Like Not to set expectations too high, but just like a eight <laughs> guy who can shoot... Isaiah Coleman is athletic as anything. I mean, I remember all the hype about when Ajay signed and everything. Everybody's like, oh my God, like, you know, we've got this five-star recruit. And, you know, Ajay still had a really good career. I don't know if it was the career people thought he would have, but he still had a great career. And, you know, I think one at least was a second team all-conference player at one point, maybe. Maybe all defense. Like he had a really up there good on the career. all-time rebounding list, up there on the all-time block shots list at CFC. So yeah, he's a, a nice, nice a really great career. But you remember the hype kind of surrounding that. And it, it, it reminds me a ton of that, except instead of just pairing, you know, one or two star guards you found somewhere in South Carolina or whatever with him, like you mentioned, you've got another four star, you've got another, you know, three star, you've got a guy that's yeah. basically a fringe 100 guy, who knows how he develops from there. And we've already seen, as you mentioned in the podcast the other week with Raekwon Horton, I mean, you look at the development he took from day one on campus to the end of last year and it's like well clearly you know coach kelsey and his staff are developing players it's not just yeah. bringing in transfers um and i heard some people talking about like well is it going to work just bringing in a bunch of grad transfers well here's three stud freshmen and we just you know got what four freshmen that yeah. played all last year that you're developing so to me i think he's building the, the program in the right way and i mean if we're recruiting like that um, and getting guys that are you know already on AAU teams to kind of buy in together where there's already that chemistry, I'm I'm with you. I think there's a two to three year window where you're looking at being really really competitive. I mean maybe a top 25. We could look up in three three years and be a top 25 team, you know, preseason, which would be awesome. I mean you talk about packing out TD Arena. If we hit yeah. top 25 status, that that place will be nuts. I don't even I don't even want to go there. I, I'd be <laughs> too excited. Yeah. Well. I- yeah, the last piece of the puzzle, talking about their camaraderie, both Isaiah Coleman and Meyer Wall make the decision to transfer high schools for their senior year to play at a more competitive high school. I'll give you one guess which high school they're both going to. 
Word of God Christian uh, Academy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I was gonna gonna go with Word of God there. Where <laughs> Coast Car previously served as AD. So yeah, those guys are already buds. James Scott, uh, you know, has that connection from AAU. Final piece I'll mention on the recruiting front is there is a 2024 prospect from South Carolina named Cam Scott, who is a top 25 player in his class. So that's again like potential one and done yeah. talent who said the first call he received on the at midnight when the offer window opened up was coach Kelsey. I'm just going to leave it at that. He says Charleston, Oregon, UNC and South Carolina are recruiting him the hardest. We'll monitor the situation. Like I said, I mean, I, I know that you have a chance to go and play at these, you know, huge schools, the UNCs of the world and that and that's great. I would never tell somebody not to go to one of these major programs, but you look at college Charleston, it's like, I mean, people Think about how people talk about Godlock to this day. And that was what, like 12 years ago at this point. So, I mean, you you have the chance to go be, you know, the face of a university. Um, And if you're winning and you got buddies that want to go there too, I mean, it's kind of the the perfect storm to, to really take this program to the next level. So it's, it's definitely exciting stuff. I'm, I'm hopeful that no other big schools come and uh, and poach coach Carr, coach Kelsey from us. If things go the way I, I hope they will. If you're NC State or you're UNC and you see like, oh, if I get Coach Carr, I get all these guys. Yeah, I'll offer him double what he's making at Charleston. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Well, yeah, hopefully he's he's bought in and he and Kelsey are close <laughs> enough that uh, he doesn't get poached. Uh, yeah, I, I said I last thing on recruiting. I lied. One more thing on recruiting. Gus Yaldin, Yaldin uh, was a guy who was a top 100 player in the 2023 class who immediately came to a visit Charleston last summer when Coach Kelsey took over. He was like the guy we were all monitoring last year. It's like, oh, he might be a guy who commits. He had Charleston in his final four. He eventually chooses Wisconsin. Ironically, Meyer Wall, who we knew for three days, is a higher-rated prospect. So, And Isaiah Coleman, obviously. So it just goes to show you, like, yeah. you never know what's going to happen on the recruiting front. But uh, Charleston's got a really, really solid class. And you never know with these guys, you know, how many of them go to one of these schools and go, I don't really love it. I'm not playing that much, whatever it is. And their first look might be the college of Charleston. So, yeah. you know, I think that that, that door is always open for the guys, especially when you're in that like top four, top five schools to look back and go, well, he, you recruited me really hard and had this vision for me. Maybe this is where I should transfer to in a world where everybody seems to transfer. So. Very exciting. All right, let's talk about one other change from the offseason, and that is the changes around the CAA. James Madison University is out. There are four new schools coming in with one more to be added next year. Those are Stony Brook up in Long Island, Monmouth uh, up in Jersey, Hampton University outside Virginia Beach, and North Carolina A&T. So these new schools coming into the CAA, it changes up the schedule a little bit as well. So Charleston will still play 18 conference games, nine at home, nine on the road. But instead of the traditional pairings, these will rotate every year. So this year at home, Charleston will play uh, Towson, UNCW, Delaware, Northeastern, Elon, Hampton, Hofstra, William & Mary, and Stony Brook. They'll play on the road, uh, Drexel, Monmouth, NCA&T, Towson, UNCW, Delaware, Northeastern, Elon, Hampton. They will not play Hofstra on the road. They will not play William & Mary on the road, no Kaplan curse. Uh, And they will not play Stony Brook on the road. Uh, they will not play Drexel at home, Monmouth at home, or NCAA&T at home. So some of these teams have richer basketball histories than others. We talked about this on our CA preview I did with No Bid Nation again, but the preseason polls aren't especially friendly to these new schools joining the conference. I'm not even sure which one was the highest ranked, but I think they're all in the bottom half of the preseason yeah. projections. Uh, but what do you make of uh, these additions? Uh, you know, I would have, I would have liked some other schools that were kind of being flirted out there. Um, and it's tough to look at like the old CA and not wish that there was like a little bit of that. I know there's always been like the flirting of like CFC moving to like the A10 type thing, but I don't think it necessarily hurts the conference. Um, like you said, they're, you know, NCA and T has a great basketball tradition, um, being in North Carolina, I know Hampton and, uh, hasn't been the best of programs over the last couple of years i don't know a ton about stony brook and monmouth i know monmouth had that one yeah good year was that ago. two three years ago um like you said i know they're picked all, all of them are kind of picked at the bottom um but it'll be it'll be intriguing to see kind of what 
becomes of the league, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how things shake out. You never, I, I feel like in the mid-major conferences, you can never really tell where people are going to be preseason wise. I mean, obviously your top three or four always tend to be in that top three or four in some order. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, maybe there's a surprise on there that, you know, Monmouth or Stony Brook creeps its way into the top three or four. And it'll be the same way when we join the CA, it'll be interesting to kind of learn these new schools and their coaches and the fans and, and all yeah. that. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to kind of see what it's like having them in the conference. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get a somewhat clear view of their arenas on the flow sports Hopefully. stream. Hopefully they got some good, <laughs> some good production quality. Yeah, hopefully we can watch. Mon- Monmouth had a one or two year stretch where they were really competitive, and I, I think they got shut out of the NCAA tournament, yeah. but they've got a, a pretty good recent history. Stony Brook, I think, is now one of the biggest schools in terms of uh, students. I think it's almost 20,000 students up there, so uh, they've got some resources. Wow. Hampton and NCA&T, obviously HBCUs, and they have their own rich traditions uh when it comes to basketball i think nc a&t is maybe the best this year uh like basketball team talent wise yeah um so yeah i'm with you i they fit the geography of the caa uh jmu no yeah. love lost good riddance you can win your worst conference now like the Sun Belt's not as good as the caa and maybe they can win it but yeah look forward to getting to know the fans there and seeing the arenas i think the CA tournament gets a little bit dicier because then this, these are just three more schools that can potentially knock out a top seed and create some chaos. Yeah. And you really want your best representative going to the tournament. I don't think that happened last year with both UNCW and Towson losing. That could be a little a little dicey. I think this all sets up to eventually be like a North division and a South division like CFC had uh, in the SOCON, yeah. which has pros and cons. But um, I think ju- this year just feeling out the new fan bases is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like, um, I think like, you know, Monmouth and A&T kind of have that rich tradition. And like you said, I think it does go towards making that like North-South division. I just would have loved if we could have maybe gotten like a, a UNCG who's been really good over, you know, recent Basketball years or somebody program. like that. Yeah. No football. Yeah, you know, that just kind of would, like you said, when you talk about t- sending those top schools to represent you, I mean, I mean, when you look on this, do you think Hampton, Stony Brook, or Monmouth are winning our league in the next two or three years? Yeah, you know, no. probably not. Um, so unless they, you know, upset somebody in the tournament, like you're saying, and create chaos. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all, you know, shakes out and where, where the chips fall. But I, I'm with you. There's a couple other schools I would have loved to have seen us pick up, but it is what it is and get a, get a couple new places to travel to and play. Yeah, UNC Greensboro was at the top of my list too, just – a basketball first program um howard up here in dc was flirted about that would have been awesome from like a reputation standpoint i'm still with you i hope one day to see the cougars in the a10 or a similar league Uh, we got to (laughs) win the caa a couple times first but uh it it is what it is yeah uh yeah i would i think ultimately the the a10 thing to me is like that's the ultimate goal for cfc i think i just think it would i think it fits our mold perfectly and obviously we've got to go out and produce on the court prove that we're worthy because that's a really really good conference but i I think that's ultimately where a lot of fans would love to see us move into anything else from the off season that we missed that you wanted to cover and i think that's citadel's back on the schedule citadel's back on the schedule uh well, I forget what uh, what coach was saying. Our low country wasn't that what their coach was uh, was preaching, which might be the corniest hashtag I've ever heard. So I'm <laughs> I'm excited for that one since we're apparently been afraid to play them from uh, what right. the little people have said. So um, hey, no, good, good for the Citadel. Pretty... They can maybe get half the arena full if, if they see. <laughs> yeah, I mean it'll be great to uh, help them out with attendance and everything, sell some popcorn, but. Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it from the off season, man. I'm I'm excited about what we've what we've added. Um, you know, the, the freshmen along with the guys that are returning and some of these transfers. I, I feel like we've got a a roster that maybe meshes a little bit more than last year's. And and like Coach Kelsey said, you've got guys that have now been in his system for a year that have learned everything and kind of make things smoother and know what's expected of them. All right. Well, let's look ahead. So we finally have some basketball coming up, not just theoretical, but actually happening in real life. Home opener, Chattanooga. First question, 
when you were in school, was it University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, UTC, or was it Chattanooga? Uh, I mean, we definitely just called them Chattanooga, but I do remember like hearing and seeing on some of their like signage, the UTC thing, but we, we definitely just referred to it as Chattanooga. I don't know when, yeah, I don't know when they made the switch from one to the other because I don't know, maybe they refer to us as Charleston, who knows? So we'll, we'll use the nomenclature, just Chattanooga, even though they're the <laughs> University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. By most metrics, probably Charleston's best win last year was going to Chattanooga and beating that team that went on to win the Southern Conference, play in the NCAA tournament, had a lot of success. Charleston did it on the road. If you remember, that was the Demetrius Underwood tip-in after the John Meeks, uh, I think it was an air ball. Big, big win for Charleston. One of the So I guess they beat Delaware, which who was an NCAA tournament team, but really their only NCAA tournament caliber win. So now... The home-and-home home swings the other way. Chattanooga will be coming to CFC. Some big changes at Chattanooga since then. Number one, their coach from last year, Lamont Paris, is now the head coach at South Carolina. Uh, he leaves after five years at Chattanooga. Uh, in comes former VMI coach Dan Earl, uh, who went about 500 in the SoCon, or less than 500 in the SoCon, but that is a really, really tough place to win. Kind of like... Um, Drexel's head coach coming from Army, Zach Spiker. Yeah. Tough place to, to win. But Dan Earl brings with him, uh, UTC loses four starters, but Dan Earl brings with him a really talented player from VMI named Jake Stevens, who VMI in the same conference, Jake Stevens, all SOCON type player. Now he's the preseason SOCON player of the year, just to give you an idea of how good this guy is. Seven yeah. footer who can shoot, who can block shots. Really nice piece to build around for Earl in his first year at Chattanooga. So a guy Charleston didn't see last year who's really going to be a, an issue for them. But they also lost uh, Malachi Smith, who is now going to be the starting point guard, I presume, at Gonzaga. So he was a really talented player. I don't think he really did anything in that Charleston game. Yeah. Uh, but Jake Stevens is the one to look out for. Uh, Chattanooga, despite all the changes, is picked to finish fourth in the SoCon. And I think they are a slight favorite in this game, despite Charleston being at home. Uh, so what do you think of this game and what we're going to see on the court? Yeah, I mean, I was reading up about the the Jake Stevens kid, and anytime you're seven foot and can shoot, you know, I think you're a, a hell of a player in a dangerous matchup. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what their system is. I know they have a few returners that weren't necessarily starters that they, you know, had a little bit of experience that played in a decent bit of their game. So I think that helps. But it'll be interesting to see kind of the, the system that they play, um, you know, what's around the Stevens kid. And then, you know, for us, it's a great way to test, you know, how much better Chuck has gotten kind of right off the bat because I would assume he's going to be matched up against him from the tip. Um, so I think it's a great yeah. opportunity to see kind of, you know, how he's going to be able to guard him. And, and Chattanooga, even when I was in school and they weren't winning the SoCon necessarily, but they were up at the top, you know, my first uh, two years, I guess, when we played them. Yeah, they really support um, basketball there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a, a, a pretty rich basketball culture there and a good program. And, you know, they've made probably, what, two or three NCAA tournaments in the last five or six years? Yeah, they're um, solid. And had some, had some good coaches come out of there. So, I mean, I would expect a, a, a battle, and it's the first game of the year, so you're figuring out lineups and you're figuring out guys, and it's, you know, early season jitters to an extent, and you got freshmen that are, you know, finally getting to play. So I think it's a, a great um, – you know, first game to open up with because it's a chance to get a high quality win uh, against an NCAA tournament team and a team that's still picked to finish. I think I saw second in one of the polls and fourth in the other. Yeah. Uh, for the SoCon and play a really, really talented player, knowing that you've got, you know, a Davidson, North Carolina on the schedule coming up later. So I think it's a, a really good early season test for us. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm excited. I'll be there Monday night and, uh, I, I think in this type of a game, it's a new coach. We've got home court advantage with a couple of turners. I think we probably win one, but I, I would expect it to be back and forth and really close. I think I think it's going to be a track meet. Dan Earl at VMI last year, that team led the nation in made threes per game. Now, if you ask Dan Earl, he's like, you know, I kind of had to play a certain style because I'm not getting the top recruits like VMI. Yeah. It's like the Citadel. Like there's a lot of extracurricular yeah. stuff you have to deal with. So he has said, like, you know, I'm going to adapt a little bit, but I would expect maybe not, not again. Uh, yeah, maybe not a huge change in culture like 
just in your first year at a new place. So that were Charleston wasn't the best defensive team last year, as we know. So I'm concerned yeah. about that. I'm concerned about the Stevens matchup. But I'm with you. I think at home, first year with the expectations Charleston has, hopefully it can get them over the hump. But I don't know who they throw at Stevens. And well, and you look at it too is like, okay, how much is? I mean, I know he's seven footer, it can move, but like, how much is he going to be able to really run and gun, especially when he's more of a shooter? Yeah. Another thing is, you know, Coach Kelsey showed last year and has shown all the time at Winthrop he's going to play ten or eleven guys, and early in the season it may even be twelve guys. So can Chattanooga go that deep? you know, to have enough guys to kind of run and gun and play that fast. And if they are successful in doing that, it feels like, okay, well, we've got a solid, what, 10 guys we feel comfortable throwing out there and getting minutes. Yeah. So uh, I think ultimately being this early in the year, I feel like the home court advantage gives you a little edge. I know the students won't necessarily be there because of the fall break thing, but um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I would expect it to be a track meet. I would expect it to be kind of back and forth. And I would, I, on home court advantage alone, I think we we pull one out and uh, get a big early season win. All right, let's turn our attention to the big game on the schedule. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but North Carolina is the number one team in the country this year. They played in the national championship last year. Yeah. They also yep. <laughs> they they kicked Coach K's ass into retirement not once but twice. They bring back Armando Baycott, who had twenty four and twelve last year against CFC. They bring back the Caleb Love, R.J. Davis backcourt. They bring in a guy named Pete Nance from Northwestern, who's going to replace uh, Brady Manick, who we saw last year. And yet, and yet, Charleston did have a lead against this team at halftime last year. Played them pretty tight for the majority of the game. And then the leading scorers in that game were Rain Smith, Ben Burnham, and Babacar Fai, who all come back. All of, all of those freshmen had a really solid game against UNC last year. So I think there's... Reason for hope, but this is uh, this is the one we all had had circled. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's the history between us and, and UNC from you know beating them uh, was like Godlock's senior year, I guess it was maybe junior year, 2010, uh, I think. 20, yeah, um, and then that very what people forget is that very next year, I think it was junior year they beat them down here. The very next year, CFC goes up there and loses by like single digits. I think it was close yeah. back and forth. I want to say he had like thirty something, um, and then. Uh, with Coach Grant a couple years ago playing tight, you know, in the first yeah. half. Took, and then took a, last took a lead year, in the second half. Yeah. And then last year, it felt like we were going to win that game for a good portion of of the game. Um, <clears throat> I'll say the same thing I think I said last year when we, we highlighted this game is if, if we can stop Armando Baycott, you've got a chance. Now, obviously, a guy like uh, Caleb Love came on very, very strong at the end of last year. And was basically unguardable through the NCAA tournament and uh, and put Coach K out to pasture. But um, it, it, this UNC team is loaded. I think it's a disappointment if they don't win the national championship. It's going to be a really difficult game for CFC. But it's, it's an awesome opportunity to go into that environment and try to shock the world. I mean, it's one of those games. We've seen UNC drop games like this in the past. I don't know if their sure. team has been quite this good. But we've seen them drop games in the past to, you know, the Walfords of the world and stuff that they weren't they, they really. They struggled at the beginning of last year. Remember, like, people were kind of doubting yeah. what they could do with Hubert Davis at the beginning of last year. So maybe there's some vulnerability. And and that's what I'm kind of interested to see from, like, a, if I'm a UNC fan looking at it from their perspective, it took until the very end of last year for everything to click. And so it's like, would, are we able to carry over that momentum from the end of the year? Or is it going to take us a couple games to kind of get everything put together and – I mean, I'd hate to see a, a CFC team, especially see how our first, you know, game goes and how we play. But if we play 10, 11 guys and they look really good and we have a convincing win against Chattanooga and your confidence is flying high, I mean, there's no pressure from the CFC standpoint. It's like never expects yeah. you to – yeah, no one expects you to win. So it's like just go out here and run and gun and be tough. And so I, I, I'm going to pick UNC just because I think they're a loaded team. But uh, I definitely think there's a chance for the Cougars. They just got to – there's there's a lot of talent on that CFC team, so it's going to be yeah. um, a tough matchup. We saw the recipe last year, which was make your threes, play at your pace, limit your turnovers, let the chips fall where they may. So, yeah, should be an exciting one. Should be uh, – this whole early season for the Cougars is really good measuring stick games. We didn't talk about the Charleston Classic yeah. when they are going to play Davidson, Richmond, who went to the NCAA tournament last year. Kent State, who's picked to win their conference. These are really solid early season matchups. So, 
Well, I think this is where having that UNC game, yeah, it's really early. So like it's a, like you said, it's a great measuring stick and it's a chance to see how, you know, certain guys play. But I, I think when you go out and you have a guy, you know, like Larson and Robinson and some of these guys that have all this experience, it's a great opportunity to see, you know, what they're capable of doing. Cause like we talked about last year, it felt like we kind of lacked that true point guard. And if you get really good point guard play, you know, against UNC and you don't turn the ball over and you play your game, I mean, keep it tight down the stretch and see, you know, if you can keep it to a single digit game with, you know, under eight media timeout, you got a shot to win. So it, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I don't think it's to me, I look at that game and as good as UNC is, I don't see it being like, you know, a 30, 40 point blowout or anything like that. I think it's a game that CFC can keep it close for a while. And if you can just make sure that you withstand their runs, don't have turnovers, you know, hit, hit a couple big shots, be dangerous late and see what you can do. Yeah. I'd like to see uh, us open again with the Babacar Fi alley-oop just to, <laughs> just to set the tone might, early, you know? They might be expecting that one a little <laughs> more ready this, for it this year. time. Yeah, they're going to be ready. That's like the, you know, Berzovich and uh, I guess so say his name. I mean, if he's able to step out and hit threes and, and bring Baycott out and get him into a little more pick and roll action. And, you know, I love Burnham's game as athletic as he is. And like Coach Kelsey said, being able to have that knack for putting the ball in the hoop. Like, I don't know, man. I, I love the makeup of our roster this year. And I feel like as they grow and develop through this season, there's a chance to be really, really special. Um and I'd, I'd love to see us get hot going into the Charleston Classic and have a chance to beat Davidson. And I'd, I'd love a matchup with South Carolina, get a little in-state rivalry in yeah. the second round. So this is, to me, there may not – I know North Carolina is maybe that one big name on our schedule, but top to bottom, this is one of the most exciting non-conference schedules I think we've had in a while. Really tough. I'll say it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, Really, really tough teams, but that's what's going to prep you for the grind that is conference play. Um Harrison, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm a, I will let you get back to your evening, uh, but thank you for coming through. We'll do it again soon. Anything left you have for the people? Man, I'm, I appreciate you having me back on. Looking forward to this season, and uh, go Cougars. Looking forward to some games. Go Cougs. We'll see you. See you at TD. All right, brother. Thank you.